I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to the Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. And like always, I'm joined with my husband and co-host, Josiah Josiah, how are you? I'm doing great, and the day just keeps getting better. How are you doing? I'm doing great. We have an amazing guest today. I know someone that's near and dear to your heart, who's always bringing love and joy and hope everywhere they go. So would you want to just tell the audience who's joining us today? For sure. I'd say right off the bat, if you are having a bad day, this episode is for you. And if you're in a situation where you need to look up for help, hope, and health, those things are readily available to you. Mm-hmm. And we're going to dive into something that I, I know it's going to encourage me and it's going to encourage you, Micah, and the listener as well. And we're joined today. I'll introduce him in just a second with a bio, but we're joined by a great friend of ours, Pastor mm-hmm. Tom Trzinski. Tom, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. Great to see you guys. You too. Thanks for joining us. Oh, my honor. Thank you for having me. For sure. And guys, here's the deal. I, I um, am really excited to introduce Pastor Tom Trzinski. He's the Center Director for Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge in Rochester, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And Tom has a, a story that we're going to let him tell, but has a story of uh, drugs, alcohol um, during his teen and young adult years and found his identity through college and in the corporate world. And basically was very successful in St. Paul, Minnesota, a large financial firm. He was featured on the Wall Street Journal. Externally, life looked amazing. And internally, he'll get into it in just uh, a second, but had suicidal thoughts, uh, battle with drugs and alcohol, and it was then involved in a motorcycle accident. And the thing is, um, we worked together at the church that I grew up attending. So I've known his smile since I was in second grade. And um, it's hard to have a bad day when you're around Pastor Tom Trzinski. And we, you know, I grew up at Cedar Valley. He was the outreach pastor there for 15, 16 years. I worked together with him for a short time as a young adult ministry leader. And since then, he's transitioned to Minnesota, Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge, really an organization geared for um, helping teens and adults mm-hmm. find health, help, and hope from addiction. So Pastor Tom, can you just maybe follow that up with a little bit of your life journey, how you met Jesus, and how that changed everything? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what an honor. I'd just like to say to all the viewers, thank you so much for listening. It really is a joy to be with you. Um, probably the best way to describe my story is by the phrase, looks can be deceiving. Mm-hmm. Have you ever noticed that what the way something looks isn't actually always the way that it really is. And that really defines my story. As Micah said, uh, outwardly, I had it all together. I was a vice president of a large finance company in downtown St. Paul, but inside I was a train wreck. Inside, um, I was actually a hopeless drug addict. And um, what happened is there was a time in my childhood when um, I didn't really have an identity. Um, I was born roughly 20 years after the birth of my only sibling. Um, my sister was actually the nurse in the maternity room the night I was born. 
And um, while I was the apple of my mother's eye, um, I didn't really know where I fit in my dad's life. And when I was 13, uh, my dad died. And when my dad died, actually a big dream died because I, I dreamt about a day where my dad would come home and he would say, little buddy, go grab your glove. Little buddy, go grab your fishing pole. We're going to do all these things together. And, and I really had this dream that my dad would tell me he loved me. And when my dad died, actually that dream died as well. And we went into some big uncertainty as to how we were going to make payments of bills and whatnot. And um, instead of following a righteous path, I actually went the exact opposite. I started experimenting with drugs and alcohol, which got a great big grip on my life. Um, and it actually had mastery over me for the next 18 years. From 13 uh, to 31 years old, um, I, was, uh, I was a hopeless drug addict. Um, I've been arrested more times than I care to admit. Um, in fact, there was a time when a group of students, I believe they were from the Carlson School of Management at the U of M, came to interview me. And this group of students walked out and this one kid looked at me on the 11th floor of the World Trade Center in downtown St. Paul. And he looked at me and said, I want to be just like you. I want to be just like you. And, you know, I probably patted him on the back or something. Um, but um, little did that group of students know that the weekend before I had been arrested again this time by the Apple Valley and the Egan police in a joint effort. And little did they know, or little did I know at that point either, that the next weekend I would sit at a cabin in Western Wisconsin, ready to end my life because I was so sick and tired of the lie that I was living. I just couldn't keep up with this charade. Um, thankfully, I didn't have the courage to do that. But about six months later, I finally figured out what the problem was. The problem was my wife. Um, how did I miss it the whole time? Um, now, you know, just a quick side, my wife wasn't the problem. My problem was me, but my problem was that I kept blaming it on somebody else. I always said it was the, my mom and dad's fault. It was the cop's fault. It was the teacher's fault. Now it's my wife's fault. Everybody has a problem except for me. And so that night I got on my motorcycle, May 18th, 1995, drove down the driveway of our uh, house in Egan, drove past my wife who was holding our daughters, Katie and Emily, and I was going to destroy my family that night. Um, but that night on the way to that bar in Egan, I lost control of my motorcycle. I literally accelerated in the back of a truck. On the impact, I busted up my hip. Um, I, I could have died that evening and I completely severed off the top of my right foot. And as I rolled from my left to my right, I am here and my right foot is over there. And it was in that moment at 31 years old, um, I said three words that have totally and completely changed my life. I said, God, help me. Yeah. Um, I had hit rock bottom and I had nowhere but up to look. And that's where I needed to be. But you see, I never thought I would say those words because to me, God, if he did exist, was just like my dad uninterested, unavailable, unloving, unable to be pleased. And so um, why would I ever want anything to do with him? But that night when I cried out, God help me, my life changed completely. That's amazing. And I know that, thank you for going there, Tom, and sharing your story. We know that we 
we hope is always offered, but there's always somebody in need of it. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you're a believer or non-believer, stranger walking yeah. down the street. We're always in need of it. We're in, we're in need of a savior each and every single day. And we know that we live in a culture that is, that's always saying bigger, faster, stronger, you know, more, more, more. And this can leave us obviously feeling very empty. Will you just share about your experience with that? You had said it had left me feeling empty. Yeah. Can you just share what did that mean? What did God do? You know, no matter how much I got, um, enough was never enough. It had to be more. Um, Here I am in the St. Paul Pioneer Press or the Star Tribune or on the news or in the Wall Street Journal. And now I'm vice president. Now I want to make this much money or this much money. It was never enough. And that's where I had to self-medicate and keep my drug addiction going. But when I met Jesus, the crazy thing is I went from being a a hopeless drug addict to being a a drugless hope addict. (laughs) And he just, he has just revolutionized my life. I make pennies on the dollar compared to what I used to, but I've never been happier because it's not about me. It's, it's all about, about him. And, you know, some, some words that I live by um, are the word, it's the word joy. Um, Joy has to be spelled J O Y, right? That you can't spell it any other way. If it's Y O J or J Y O, it's not joy, right? Well, in order to spell joy, J-O-Y, it's got to be Jesus first, others in the middle, yourself last. That's good. And that's where you get bigger. That's where you get better. That's where you get stronger when you have your priorities in the right order. Pastor Tom, I remember being uh, 18 years old, felt uh, just sense God's call into the ministry. And I remember we had the conversation that you just shared and I wasn't sure if it was okay to, to share that or not, but I remember like just telling you that and you prayed with me and you're like, I'd love to work with you someday. And then that <laughs> happened. But I remember, and it stood out to me on 18 and I had an idea of, you know, you, you can go online and research. Okay. If I go be a doctor, you can make X or if I want to own my own business, it might pay Y, or if I'm going to be a pastor, they make about Z. And, and, and then you told me that you're like, I make a few pennies on the dollar of what I used to make. And so I, I don't know what that looks like, but it, it was pretty decent in the world's terms. But I look at that, that just stood out to me as a young person that like, you could have quote unquote at all. And I remember the movie, um, it's called The Greatest Showman. And there's this song in the, in the, you know, like I could have the spotlight, I could have it all and it'll never be enough. And so I'm just glad that first of all, you shared that. And then second of all, that the joy that I've encountered with you is transparent and authentic and real and really grateful. And so for the listener who maybe is feeling in the midst of the struggle, maybe they're hopeless in whatever situation they're facing, they're feeling that emptiness that you describe that you can relate with, that I think to a certain degree we can relate with. Maybe they're discouraged right now or nearing rock bottom. What encouragement would you offer them today? Like in the, in the midst of the struggle that's real. Yeah. So I'm a very emotional person and I, I, I felt my emotions. 
what I, what I came to realize is that my, my emotions are not an accurate reflection of my reality. And just because I might be feeling this way does not mean that that has to be either true or my future. Mm -hmm. And when I started putting myself around people that spoke words of life to me, that spoke words of correction, that spoke words of, of belief, um, I started believing those to myself because the longer we spiral with those negative thoughts, um, the worse it can be. Uh, Philippians 4.8 has a great list of things that we should think about, but then verse 9 says, no, no, do that. Put those actually <laughs> into practice. Wow. Don't just think about them, actually do them. And when you think about what is true and what is right and what is pure and lovely, there's a lot of great things about each and every one of our lives. We just have to choose to look for those things. Right. Um, you don't have to be hopeless. You don't have to be in the gutter. Mm -hmm. um, if, if I can come out of a pit, man, anybody can. Wow. But it, it does take a change of, of thought process and believing that you are a gift and a miracle. Absolutely. Um, can, I, can I share one more thing, please? Yeah. So. I grew up feeling like a mistake. I grew up feeling like an accident. And maybe there's some viewers that could say, you know what, I can relate to that. There's a verse in Ephesians chapter one, verse four, where it says before the creation of the world, God knew me. Mm -hmm. And when I looked at that, I go, you know, I may have been an accident to my mom and dad, but I've been an eternal thought in God's mind since the beginning of time. And I don't know about you, but God doesn't make junk and yeah. I'm not junk. And yeah. so when I to my King for my strength and my support, that's where that discouragement just can go right smack in the toilet because we don't need to believe that because that's not the truth about how we're made. Yeah. I think that's so good. And such a great reminder for every listener to, to lean into the truths of who God says we are and not who our parents or the world sure. or somebody else that we don't even know who's put labels on us. And yeah. we don't want to be people that wear the label that others have placed on us, but we can be walking around in the righteous world that God has created and walk out on the redemptive side on whatever situation you're experiencing today. And uh, Pastor Tom, we know that you, you offer hope, you offer help and you offer health. It's a part of who you are. It's a part of your profession that you're currently in. And we know that we live in a day and age where substance abuse is all over the place. It, right. it, it starts out small and it just continues to graduate and gradually has the potential to take over people's lives. And one challenge specifically that young people in this world are facing is that substance abuse. Can you talk about just that problem itself. Yeah. So, you know, even though I look like a dinosaur here, an old man, right? But there was a day and a time when I was that teenager, that young 20-something, that early something, 30-something. And the devil's tactics haven't changed right? from, from my time to your time. Um, we feel like we need to self-medicate. We feel like we have to arrive. And guys, I'll be honest with you, the, the mid-20s was really probably the hardest time of my entire life. I had graduated from college, um, but yet I wasn't married. I was living in an apartment. I didn't have really firm roots. 
I wasn't mama's boy, but yet I wasn't my own independent man on my own. I didn't know where I belonged. I didn't know what my identity was. And I think what we try to do is we try to self-medicate. Um, I, I, I have ADD um, and we didn't have that diagnosis back when I was a kid, but I can see it now. And so I started with pot. I started with, with pills to try to help self-medicate where I was at. The self-medicating doesn't do anything but dig the pit deeper and darker. And what I'm really seeing is that is really where a lot of my men and women in our program are struggling with their, their self-identity. Our self-identity is not found uh, in the bed with another person. It's not found in a bottle, whether it be of pills or uh, of alcohol. Uh, and it's also not found in a paycheck. It's really found in your identity of who God has called you to be and made you to be. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think if we press into that, it can be greater. What we're seeing with COVID is we're seeing mental health issues just skyrocket. Um, Untreated mental health, untreated addiction is, is gonna be with us for a while. What really is important is that somebody reaches out and say, I need help. Mm -hmm. Um, The truth is we all need help. And there is so much assistance out there to help people get a hand up and, and to get out of this hopeless cycle. Um, Because like I say, you can be a drugless hope addict too. Amen. And I think that pastor Tom, one of the things that I catch anytime I'm with you is there is a massive view of God that you have. And you know, there's a reality check of looking around at the world around us in real circumstances that are huge issues. And then you look to this great and amazing God, and that's where theology comes from. And that's where our identity comes from. And that's where our thoughts come of these higher thoughts that are different than our thoughts. They're higher than our ways. And as we go and lean into that, one of the things that I'm realizing as a young leader, working with other young leaders is trying to discover and recognize also that I'm not God. So my view of myself needs to be accurate and congruent with God's word, but it can't be a big view of myself. It has to be a big view of God. He's the savior. I'm not. And and with that, similarly, like we can have a role of pointing people along the way to help and, and offering resources that can help people and lead them to freedom. And so there's resources available, but what would you say are some of those resources, um, such as Teen Challenge, such as Christian Counseling and others? And then what is our role, maybe for the person who's a young leader, leading a campus ministry like Kaiapa, leading a young adult ministry within a church, or just as a mentor, as a friend, what is our role as you know a spiritual guide, as a leader that's not a savior? Boy, that's a deep question. And that's, it's, I don't really know how to answer it because I think what you should do is every situation is so different and so unique. There really isn't a cookie cutter that you say do A, B, C, and D. Mm -hmm. I would say if you're in that situation, number one, pray for God's wisdom to show you what the real source of the problem is. Because what somebody might share with you may be almost 
some smoke and mirrors. It may be like what I said, where looks can be deceiving. Mm -hmm. um, and as you ask those probing questions, the Lord is going to give you the wisdom and discernment to know where to go with that. But depending upon where you're at geographically, the resources can change. Um, but I think for you to take those questions, those findings, and, and then to maybe ask a mentor at your church or in your leadership circle of how you can help out mm -hmm. um, because locally they, they will know that. But the one that I think a hundred percent of us can point to is point them to the Bible. Yeah. Um, uh, Romans ten seventeen says faith comes from hearing the message and the message is about Christ. You guys, I have been in jail. I have stood before judges having to give an account of my life in public. I have been behind the jail cell door as it locked and none of that stuff saved me. I've been through treatment programs left and right. It was when Jesus Christ came in my life that everything changed. Instead of being divorced with two kids, Carmen and I have been married 31 years and we have four kids and I've never been happier. But the resource that everybody should point these people to is to the word of God. That's so good. And Pastor Tom, we know that you have a passion for living a life of evangelism, like being a true testimony everywhere you go. And I would love for the listener to catch this, Josiah, and I want to catch more of this. But can you talk about the importance of sharing the joy that we have in Jesus with others without shame, without hesitation? How do we get to that point as believers and walk out in that confidence? Yeah. Okay, um, you're making me cry, actually. Um, when I laid on the pavement and I rolled from my left to my right, um, there was nobody standing over the top of me, banging me over the head with the Bible. There was nobody giving me a four-point sermon and a poem. Um, my heart was convicting me. And as I laid there, I knew that I knew that I knew if I die right now, I'm going to hell. I knew that. That's when I cried out, God help me. What he has done by giving me new life and forgiveness and, and my wife to forgive me and, and, and others, you guys, I can't help but share it. Right. Um, I, I, can't, I can't help but share what he's done in my life. And, and, and I want everybody to find that. I want everybody to feel that that sense of joy. Um, but to go one step further, if I could, with a story. Um, I led a missions trip to uh, Poland one year. And on our fun day, how's this for a great pastor? I took my, my, my members to Auschwitz. Uh, Auschwitz is a uh, German concentration camp where they literally exterminated Jews. Just, I, I don't understand that. Um, and there was one day I was standing in a doorway um, of this building and there was a photograph in the doorway where I was standing and it was a picture of, forgive me, but it was a picture of naked women. There was nothing pornographic about it. It was a picture of naked women standing in that doorway that I was standing in. And these women, which were grandmas, moms, little girls, some teenagers, were standing out and going out into the road where, where, I was, where I was actually standing. And there were snow banks 
and they were barefoot and they were standing in line being told a lie. They were standing in line being told that if they stand in this line, they're going to get shoes and clothes and food and we'll get you all taken care of. But when I went from that doorway down the stairs, I went down to uh, a conveyor belt, almost a roller coaster like cart where it would take these women into an incinerator. And when I came out of the other end, it was so surreal, but there was a monument to Oscar Schindler. Oscar Schindler was a German businessman who did not believe in what the German occupation was doing. And what he did is he said, I wanna do what I can to help these women find freedom. And so what he did is he hired as many of those women to work in his factory as he could. And he realized he couldn't save them all, but he was gonna do everything he could. And underneath there was a, there was a Bible verse. And I believe it's in Proverbs, but it said, those standing in a line, staggering towards slaughter, help rescue as many as you can. And that is really kind of my picture of my life. I wanna help as many find their way out of that death trap that is Satan led that is putting men, women, children, youth in a spot to be perished. And there is nothing like the joy of leading a man or a woman to Christ. Right. It is a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's amazing when you said that you can't help but share. I think when, when you've experienced like the death to life crossover and you've experienced the pits of despair and darkness and come out on the other side of depression with joy and hope and just love and, and then to experience maybe rejection here on earth, but eternal acceptance from a loving God and father and savior. I think of also what Peter said and, and these disciples, they were like told in Acts, you need to stop sharing the gospel. No more <laughs> Jesus talk. And they are like, you can arrest us. You can do whatever, but we, as for us, we cannot help but what we've seen and heard. And so I think that's so significant and so important. And I love that you went there and just shared, you know, your vantage point on how humanity is headed towards certain death. Mm -hmm. And we have the ability like uh, Schindler did you know, if we have the opportunity to point others to help and hope and joy, let's yep. do it. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so it's their, it's their choice to accept. Exactly. But I think it's our job to at least let them know. Right. Guys, I didn't know until I was 31 that I had a choice to make. Um, I thought it was religion, but when you realize it's relationship, it's a whole different ball of wax. Right, right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, and what a great reminder, the, the joys of life that we, we get to serve the Lord. We don't have to, we get to, we all have an opportunity to do that. And Pastor Tom, we wanna to take an opportunity to get to know you more and for our listener to get to know you more because we've reached the point of the podcast where we get to ask five questions in five minutes. So it's the, kind of okay. the last final five thoughts. Can you right. do it? Five and five. Let's do it. 
Let's do it. Okay. Question number one, if you could describe your soul right now in this season, what three words would you use to describe it? Thankful, hungry, and anticipating. That's great. So fun. And words, I think just carry weight. And, and I know you're a person who like Ephesians 429 says, like, you're a person who encourages others. And I've been the beneficiary of that more times than I can count. And I would just ask you, are there any words that you live by, Pastor Tom? Like it could be a quote, um, a Bible verse, just a thought, a, a solitary word in any language, actually. You could choose, I mean, you can have fun with that. <laughs> you know, that's great. I, I think the joy, Jesus first, others in the middle, yourself last, is a big one for me. And then also, when I started going to church in my early 30s, Pastor Jerry Stranquist, Josiah at our church, had a great, great phrase, and that was, leave it better than you found it. Yep. And I think if we were all to hold on to that attitude of leaving it better than we found it, um, the world would be a lot better place. Well, we know that God left us when we found him better than, you know. He found us. <laughs> yeah, that's it. There it is. <laughs> All right. So yeah. question number three, here's the curveball curveball. If you could ask Josiah and myself one question, what would you ask us today? Oh, why do you do what you do? Oh man. Do you want to go first? Sure. You know, Pastor Tom, I think that how I would answer that is because of a burden that I have mm. and because of personal experiences of what God's done for me and personal experiences of the need that I see others facing. I look at the, the fact that I found Jesus at a young age and it was a lifelong decision. Yeah. And I just experienced him heal my headaches, uh, heal depression. Um, I've experienced him provide for my family when times were tough. I've experienced salvation and life and marriage and parenthood now and joy. I want that for other people specifically. What I see a lot of is a great concern of me is people who grow up in church and walk away from their faith. That's impacted close family and friends of, of ours mm -hmm. and just of others. And that's something that I feel like God wakes me up and brings me to tears about. And he's placed a burden in my heart to just share the hope that I found in Jesus with others in our generation, that they might know the goodness of God in the land of the living. And so for me, why we do what we do at Normandale Community College or Chi Alpha or a podcast or conference or books, blogs, anything, I think it all comes back to sharing about what Jesus has done for me mm -hmm. and wanting that for others. Yeah. I think very similarly, I I would agree. Like our passion is to see others live for Christ each and every single day, not make it just a seasonal thing or have the prodigal son moment over and over and over right. to truly see a life transformation and walk through the sanctification and to see young adults accept Christ now, get water baptized, be baptized in the spirit and 30 years, hopefully that we could still be in contact with some of these people and see that they're still serving the Lord. And I remember being 25 years old, being called into ministry and God's like, I've called you to speak into people's lives. Like you've always wanted, but never had the opportunity to have. So not having mentors disciple me, probably my most pivotal years of decision-making from college to career, to relationships, to jobs, you know, you think about all that stuff and God laid it on my heart. He's like, you need to be the mentor that you wish you had. 
Yeah. I think with that is that's why we do what we do to, like you said, like to one of our friends would say it this way. And I completely agree. It's like, we want to see heaven full and, um, and hell empty. And that's, that's, that's our mission. That's every Christian's mission. And unfortunately the misconception is I'm happy. God's providing for me. I'm going to heaven. So I, I'm okay. I don't have to share with anybody or they're scared to share. So my prayer is that people that we lead would have the confidence, be equipped the moment they leave our leadership, our mentorship, our discipleship, our ministry, and to be adequate in that. So to prepare the way to help them prepare the way for, for the Lord. So that's what I would say. Amen. It sounds like we have the same kind of mission then. Yeah, Yeah, we do. (laughs) A hundred percent. And I would just ask you this question four or five, Pastor Tom, back to you. Would you be willing to share maybe a mistake that you've made along the way and what God really taught you in the process of that? Um, I think probably one of my biggest mistakes was not forgiving as quickly as I should have. Um, it's easy to feel hurt and to feel wounded and, and to hold on to those bitternesses and those hurts when really forgiveness is for you. Forgiveness is what sets you free. Um, I carried that for a long time. So I think, I think holding back on forgiveness is a, was a mistake that I made. Absolutely. Reminded, it's a great reminder to extend grace before we extend yeah. <laughs> unforgiveness. All right. This is the final thought. Five right. of five. If you could tell a group of college pastors and ministry leaders one thing, what would you leave them with today? Ooh. Um, oh, boy. I would, I would say, don't compromise. Don't, don't compromise. It is so easy to start cutting corners. There are no shortcuts. Mm -hmm. Um, There is one way, one truth, one life and don't compromise. And so with that, here are three things that I try to live by to make sure that I don't compromise. Worship God, love people, manage things. So often we love God and we uh, manage people, but we worship things or, or we move it around. Mm-hmm. We really need to do it in that proper order of worshiping God, loving people, managing things without compromise. That's wonderful. Oh my gosh. If you ever wondered what it was all about, I think that's, that's the answer to that question right there is mm-hmm. it's all about the God, you know, God first worshiping him, his glory, his name and renown. It's all about the opportunity that we have that's limited mm-hmm. to point people here on earth so that they can worship him too. Right. And then in the process, just faithfully obey and steward the next right thing today here right now to prepare the way. Right. So Pastor Tom, we just want to say thank you so much yeah. for investing in us in this conversation and in our community of young leaders. Yes. Thank you. Totally my honor. God bless everyone. And if you guys want to find out more about Pastor Tom Sosinski, um, the Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge, and other resources, you can connect with us online and social media at www.youngadults.today. But until next time, this is Josiah and Micah saying, see you next time. There you go.
Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Plug me in. I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.